Suzanne Chancellor. Suzanne is a lifelong experiencer and contactee. And after years of keeping her experiences to herself and having no one to confide in, she decided to come out in hopes of connecting with others who could understand and relate to what she had been through. In 2011, she started a blog called Random Alien Brain Droppings, and soon after began broadcasting a streaming radio show of the same name. She spoke for the first time in front of a live audience last year at the first Experiencers Speak conference. Suzanne is a lifelong resident of Southern California, but has recently relocated to New England and is currently the Rhode Island contact for Starborn support. Please give a special welcome to one of the newest Yankees and a great and special woman, Suzanne Chancellor. Good morning, everyone. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be, number one, to be asked back to uh, speak today. And as he said, last year was my first time speaking publicly for the first time live in front of a live audience, and it was quite, it was quite scary and at the same time quite liberating. Um, I think that as an abductee, or a contactee, or an experiencer, I think it's very important to reach out and let go of the fear that we can join hands in this experience and try and put the pieces of the puzzle together in that way. So let me give you a little background about myself. I, as Peter said, grew up in Southern California. I, uh, I lived in a little town in California called Pasadena. That's where I was raised. My father worked for JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratories, in Pasadena. And at the same time, my grandfather also worked for Caltech. So in this experience of doing research for my own journey, there have been a few questions in regards to that um, based on the fact that in my experiences, they seem to have a little sort of a, a connection to something that might be military. But there are no Real answers to that, my father and I have not spoken probably in about 15 years now, so I really don't have the liberty to ask him those kinds of questions, but maybe someday. So as a child, my first uh, screen memory, it happened in 1966 when I was four years old. Now, I did not recall this memory until I was in my mid-20s, I just thought I had a very vivid imagination. I had a lot of dreamlike events that happened to me when I was a child. And I thought they were little children coming to visit me. Um, so I didn't really think that much of it. Maybe they were just dreams. I would tell my mother about them, but she would pretty much brush them away as, as such a dream. Uh, we moved to a place called Newbury Park, California, when I was seven years old, and these children seemed to follow me to the new location, I continued to have these strange dreamlike events happening in my life. And one stands out in particular that was quite extraordinary. Now, again, I did not recall this memory until I was in my 20s, my mid-20s. But this experience 
involved me uh, boarding a craft. Now, I know that might sound strange to some and maybe to others very normal who might be sitting out there today. But for me, it was more of a fantastic journey because this experience was not scary at all. Now, the other experiences I had had with these beings left me with a very unsettling feeling, but this one was quite different. I was appeared on a craft. I have no idea how I got there. I just was in the middle of this enormous craft. And as I looked around me, the little gray people, as I called them, were all about doing their business. And I was standing there in wonder, just completely relaxed and calm. And as I looked around the room, they were all doing something, just about going about their busy work. And I looked to my left, and there were two humanoid teenagers, a boy and a girl. And they were the only ones that turned around and looked at me and recognized my presence in this room. And they turned back around and went about their business. And at that moment, an enormous being walked in the room. And I felt that he was the leader or something. I just felt his presence. His energy was so powerful and, again, so loving. This being had the same characteristics of a a typical gray that you would read about or see. But his head was enormous, and he had a a very bulbous forehead, and he was wearing a, a silvery, shimmering cape. And he looked down at me, and when I say he gave me a telepathic tap on the shoulder (laughs) for anybody out there who's had any um, telepathic communication with these beings you know what I mean but it was one of love and um, of calmness and he looked at me and he gestured over to the side of the craft and so I followed him and when I went over to the side of the craft he waved his hand across the side of the wall and it opened up as an enormous window and I could see the earth And at that moment, I thought, wow, now I know what's going on. And don't ask me why I knew that. Just all of a sudden, everything started making sense to me when I saw that I was above where I lived. He then gestured me to follow him down a hallway, and I did so. And as I walked down this hallway, there were doors on either side. It was a long hallway, and each one was arched. And the first one that I came upon... I looked in, and it was a room full of, I would say, teenagers and maybe a little bit younger staring at a screen. And as they stared at the screen, they were being shown images. And and I know that a lot of people, if you are an experiencer or have read stories, have heard of similar experiences where people see images of um, cataclysmic events, um, apocalypse, famine, war. I mean, all the things that we have done to ourselves. And... I felt as if he was trying to, or they were trying to impress on the audience what has happened. But it was so fast. It was like a a slideshow. It was almost like, you know, um, subliminal, I would say. And I kept walking along and looked in various rooms. And I was very, very confused at that point because some things made sense and other things just did not fit my, my reality. So it was really hard for me to understand um, but the one thing that was really interesting was 
you know, actually I need to scroll through. That was me around the, the time that these events were happening. That was when I was five. And that was me again with my neighbors um, in, at the house where I had most of my childhood experiences. I'm in the middle. And I'm having an issue here. I've never done this before, so. Okay, and then that's the house um, in Newburgh, I'm sorry, in Pasadena, California. I went back there three years ago. I just wanted to reconnect to just where my memories started, just to see if I got any other sort of memories to come back to me. And when I was on the craft and I was with this uh, being, he impressed on me three things that perplexed me and puzzled me. One of them was I received the message of this symbol in particular, which I wrote down about three years ago when I was writing my blog. I have no idea what it means. It just was is something of some sort of importance. And I, I said to him, and all these, these exchanges are all telepathic. And I said, I don't understand. He says, you will when it's time. It will make sense. And I said, okay. Um, another message he gave me was, it was an algebraic equation. Now, I'm horrible at math. So I laughed. <laughs> and I said, you know, there is no way I'm going to remember this. And he said again, you'll remember this when it is time for you to remember. The third thing that he impressed on me of importance was that the cure for cancer was something that we used every day. Now, mind you, I'm about nine years old at this time and, and not really worried about such things. And he said something very important, and it was, we're looking too hard. We're looking beyond the obvious. And he was trying to impress on me that we do that with a lot of things, that we make things so complicated. And I thought it was really interesting. And now that we are starting to learn a lot about um, alternative um, methods of treating cancer, including cannabis, it really makes me wonder if that might be what he was referring to. Just my own personal interpretation. I started having a lot of precognition and a lot of psychic um, abilities happening in my early teens and through my 20s. And in 1987, when I had a one-year-old daughter, I saw communion the book by Whitley Strieber, at the bookstore. And I walked in the bookstore. And I know a lot of you out there are nodding your heads. <laughs> because I think a lot of us have had a similar experience when we've seen that cover. On one hand, it's uh, very, very comforting. On the other hand, it's extremely horrifying. But we're drawn to it for some reason. And I looked at that book, and I had to pick it up. And I read the cover leaf, and I brought it home, and I read it in one day. That book really opened up my eyes to a lot of things and was the catalyst for me to remember the things that had happened to me as a child because Whitley's descriptions of a lot of his earlier childhood experiences definitely mirrored mine. And I was in shock. And I felt so alone because how could I explain this to anybody, including my own family, and so I didn't. I kept it to myself. I knew that I would, you know, I was a mother. I could not risk the, th the thought of having my child 
taken away from me or being deemed as an, an unfit mother was not an option or losing my job was not an option. At the time, I was a single mother. In 1989, I was engaged to be married, and at the time, my daughter was three. And I had been having a lot of weird experiences when I started this relationship, and so I shared this with my fiancé, and I explained to him, I figured... I'm getting married to this man. I need to share this part of me with him because this is who I am, and I know that I don't have any control over it. And he can take it or leave it, basically. You know, it was like, uh, on the one hand, you know that there's the risk of losing this person who you're in love with. And on the other hand, you have to be free. And so we had an inside joke. And that was after an... Um, a very strange evening, let's say, while we were sleeping, waking up in the morning, he would look at me sometimes and say, did the visitors come last night because I slept like shit? <laughs> yes, I know. And so I would roll my eyes and I'd say, yeah, you know, I think so, um, but I don't know anything. So he would just look at me and shake his head and walk away. So um, one night in particular, I was laying down on my bed and my daughter was sleeping in her bedroom, and I couldn't sleep. And I looked up at the ceiling, and there were all these prismic shapes floating around the ceiling. And I thought, well, that's strange, because where's the light coming from? It was almost like there was a, a prism in the window, and the light was refracting through the prism and shining on the, on the ceiling. And I was just looking in awe and wonder. And at that one moment a gold disc flew in across my bed from the window and just metamorphosized into a woman. Now, I knew it was a woman because I could see her in my periphery, but when I went to look at her, I could not turn my head. All I could do was move my eyes, and I could see that this disc had transformed into the shape of a woman with long blonde hair. And I am just petrified. I couldn't speak. My husband was asleep. I'm sorry, my fiancé. And she starts speaking to me telepathically. And she says to me, where I come from, marriage is the most sacred part of our existence. And I am giving you the chance to experience this if you wish. And I'm thinking, what in the hell is going on? And immediately in my head, I said, I am so glad that you don't look like what you normally look like. Because if you did, I think I would freak. And she said, well, if you want to know what we look like, then look at the window. Now, at that moment, at the same time, I'm horrified but curious. And then I could not move my head. But I turned my eyes, and what I saw was that. <laughs> so at the same time, I'm laying in bed again, like I said, wanting to see this, but at the same time not. This is what I saw. So this is the bed, and as I look in my periphery, I see a mantis being hanging from my window. And I didn't have time to react, because at the same second that I saw this being, my door flew open, and the woman just shot through the room and disappeared through the wall. And then, okay, that's what came in my bedroom. 
three little blue beings came in and sat at the end of my bed, or stood at the end of my bed, and I'm staring at these things, and I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? And they say to me, it's Elise, my daughter, we can't get her to stop throwing up. And I'm just in panic mode at that moment. The minute I hear my daughter, I I shoot up out of the bed, and I run down the hall, pick her up, and she says, Mommy, I'm going to throw up, and she starts vomiting all over the bed. And I'm just forgetting about everything that had just happened prior. Put her in the bathtub, wash her off, and laid in her bed with her until she fell asleep. I went back to bed and woke up in the morning, and everything seemed fine. And my fiancé said to me, did the visitors come last night? And I said, I think so. I think, but don't say anything because my daughter, I, there's something about my daughter that she reacted to the situation quite violently. So I didn't want to frighten her. So I poured her some juice and I walked over to the table and she's doodling a little picture. And this is what she drew. And I said, well, honey, that's really cute. What is that? And she says, oh, mommy, it's the, uh, it's the animal from my dream last night. And I said, well, honey, that doesn't really look like an animal. And she says, well, they're not really animals, but they're not really people either. And I said, okay. I didn't want to prompt her, but I did. I didn't want to frighten her. So I said, well, what did it look like, honey? And she says, well, there were three of them. And they were blue. And I said, well, what were they doing, honey? And she says, well, they were smelling me, and they were telling me that they loved me. And I just, again, this is the first time that I've ever had validation that these things were real because it involved my own daughter. And I said, well, what are those little lines next to the ears? She goes, well, that's where the ears should be, but they don't have any ears. And I said, well, what's that little squiggly thing over its head? And she said, it's a cloud, Mommy. They come from the clouds. Now, I don't know if any of you out there who are experiencers have children, but if you do, consider your experiences that you've kept to yourself your whole life and then hearing them out of the mouth of your child. She's 27 years old now, and doesn't have any memory whatsoever. In fact, she tells me quite blatantly, I don't believe in it, Mommy, and I don't want to talk about it. And so I've just said, I'll just leave it alone because everything is in its time as I knew it was for me when I was in my mid-20s, about the same age that she is now that I started recalling my memories. We also had a few strange visitations, one involving a... um, a couple who spent the night one night, um, we had gone out to dinner and, and decided that they were having too much to drink that night, and so they decided to spend the night. And in the morning, my fiancé said, again, did the visitors come? I said, I don't know, I think so. And my friend, Alona, comes out of the shower, and she says, check this out. <laughs> and I look at her arms, and she's got two perfect concentric circles, one on each arm, and they're underneath the skin. It's almost as if someone had taken a glass and suctioned the melanin right out of her skin. And I thought that was quite strange. Now, I've never heard of anything like that before. We tried to rub them off, and they wouldn't go away. They were there for about two weeks. I called her quite frequently for the next two weeks and asked her if anything else strange had happened to her because I felt that 
we might have had an experience that night. I didn't have any memory of it whatsoever, but I thought, am I going to lose a friend over this? <laughs> was my first thought. Because, again, I had never shared these things with anybody else but my then-fiancé. In 1994, we moved to uh, Camarillo. We were living in Camarillo, California, and I had a family sighting of a, a craft as we were driving home from my mother's house on Thanksgiving. And ironically, as we're driving and we see this flash of light across the freeway, my whole family commented on it. And two days later, in the local Ventura County News Chronicle, there was an article. Uh, by MUFON, Ventura County, about two girls who were driving on that very same highway at the very same time, the very same night, about 10 minutes ahead of us, who had two hours of missing time. And I thought that was quite strange, and I had read Bud Hopkins' book, Missing Time, so I was very familiar with these events. And knowing what I had known based on my own research about the I'm going to say the abduction phenomenon or the fact that we were experiencers and I was a contactee, I knew there was some sort of a correlation. So I did call MUFON, and they promptly came to my house for an interview as I had told the director that um, I had had other experiences, and she was quite fascinated. And she asked me if she could bring a doctor with her to examine me. Now... Opening this Pandora's box was going to be the scariest thing that I had ever done because now I felt that I was shedding my armor and letting it be exposed. And when Dr. Roger Lear accompanied her to my home the next day, he asked me if I felt that I had had any implants or any strange marks on my body. And I had told him that I did have something on my forehead that had been there as far back as I can remember, that I could move around right past my hairline. And sometimes it did feel quite sensitive, always thinking that maybe it was like a, a bone chip or, a, or I don't know, a cyst or something. And so he examined me, took some notes, and he asked me if I would like to have it removed. And I just felt a wave of nausea come over me, and something told me that it was okay and that I should leave it there. I didn't really feel threatened by it. I didn't think that it changed me in any way. I was still quite perplexed about everything that had happened to me. So I just thought I'd leave well enough alone for the time being. The next couple of years, I really noticed a lot of precognition, precognitive dreams, um, a lot of psychic awareness. I started meditating, and I started really tapping into that side of the phenomenon that I think this is all going towards. Um, it's really led me to believe that it's a lot more than we think it is. And again, none of us have all the answers, and I doubt that we will anytime very soon. But my own journey in connecting with my own higher consciousness has really shed a new light on the things that have happened to me in a sense that I really believe that it's not really what we think it is all the time. And that being said, the whole physical aspect of the experience, I think, is going hand-in-hand hand with something a lot bigger than that. And that has to do with an inter interdimensional contact. And as I have been doing a lot of meditation, 
um, it has really spawned a whole new experience for me. I was contacted by a fellow experiencer. He said to me that he had a message that I um, was somehow connected to the Pleiadians. And to me, that sounded like a bunch of whatever at that point. I thought, well, who, what are you talking about? And he says, trust me, I really think that you need to meditate about this. They have a message for you. And I thought, okay, just to appease him, I'm going to say, all right, well, if you really think that this is true, then I will do what you said. And I went and I decided that I was going to perch myself in the backyard, underneath the wind chimes, do all the things that you do when you meditate the right way. And I got the most amazing message, and I wrote about it in my blog. And I'll read it to you. And the message was, I am here. I always have been. The subtle messages that you've received during this earth mission were intended for you, but you were not open enough to truly understand their meaning. Every moment of deja vu or synchronicity were comprehended as mere coincidence. What you need to understand is that they were intentional, but you were too, quote-unquote, young to see them as such. The tools have always been there, and although they were always available, you have never chosen to use them until now. Like the other day when you opened the drawer looking for something, but you could not see it. You looked again, and it was right in front of you. The time that you asked yourself asked us to show your, ourselves to you during a time of complete distress, we did so. Yes, that was us, and we are here. You saw us because you were open. Now is the time of your true awakening. The messages that you've received in the past will now come forth in the present. Because you have awakened, they will make perfect sense. The feelings regarding certain people being in your life for a reason is correct. We have connected you with one another, but pay close attention to the ones with whom you experience great synchronicity. Reevaluate what role they play on this earth mission, and the answers will be given to you. Your path was written before you arrived at your present existence. You are here now to complete this task, as it is of great importance that you connect with the other star seeds, so that you may enlighten the others who are not yet open, so they may see the paths that have been set for them. So, here I am doing as I'm told. With that being said, I also experienced the most amazing synchronicity, heeding that message. I started meditating quite frequently, and, and one evening I was drawn to close my computer. I was writing my book and, and go into the bedroom and, and meditate for 15 minutes. On, I mean, it was a very direct message, very specific at the edge of the bed, facing the armoire, turn off the lights, all this. And I sat there, and I got nothing, absolutely nothing. And I went back into the living room, and I opened up my computer, and I clicked on Facebook, and at that one moment, a gentleman clicked a friend, or clicked hello for me. Now, what had happened is this. As I'm basically getting really close to the end of my presentation, unfortunately, and having trouble with the mouse again. I started writing a blog. My blog is um, randomalienbraindroppings.blogspot.com. I was interviewed by Whitley Strieber for his dreamland. 
uh, segment on unknown country. And a gentleman had contacted me after that interview, and he seemed very familiar to me, and I couldn't quite place him. I thought maybe I'd met him somewhere before, but I hadn't. And I noticed that this person had friend requested me the day of the interview. And we started chatting on Facebook, and again, I thought he was very familiar, so I started clicking on his photographs to think that maybe we had mutual friends or what have you. And I saw a picture of these beautiful human beings, and I said, who are they? And he says, well, they're my children. And I thought, wow, they're quite lovely, and I don't really recognize them. But I came across this photograph, and I couldn't stop staring at it. And as I'm looking at the photograph, I'm getting a message. And I've never read a photograph before. I um, started getting a message from her, and she's looking at me. And I said, Jack, who is this woman holding this child? And he says, that's my wife. And I said, well, she's no longer with, with us. And he said, no. I said, I have a message for you. And I said, she wants you to know that she's so proud of you. She had passed away from cancer quite young and left him uh, to raise three children on his own. And she wants you to know how proud she is of you and that she loves you and that she's all around you all the time and that I said, you know you're going to see her again someday, don't you? There's so much more to tell in this story. And I had a feeling this was going to happen that I couldn't finish the end. But what I'm going to say is this. Pay attention to the ones that you have the most synchronicity with. He and I come to realize we were born on the very same day of the very same year, March 26, 1962. He friend requested me the day um, his father had passed away, April 20th, years ago. Um, we felt a sense of urgency that there was something that we needed to be doing together. I mean, we literally have gone through so much and looking at that photograph of me when he came across that photograph that was me wearing my Halloween costume in ninth grade and upon seeing this photograph he said to me oh my god I am so sorry I couldn't help you I am so sorry and he as an experiencer we have come to realize that there's a, quite a possibility that we have had a shared experience I have not had a regression he on the other hand, is on his way to do such. So we are trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together to see what comes up. My blog, again, is randomalienbraindroppings.blogspot.com. I also have a YouTube channel. I do interviews. Um, if you just Google you, Suzanne Chancellor YouTube, I want to thank Starbone Support for including me on this journey uh, and Peter Robbins, Audrey, and Debbie, and all of you out there who think that you are an experiencer and have kept it inside all these years, I would love for you to connect with me. I will be here answering questions as well. Please, please feel free to email me at abducteeawareness at gmail.com. My name is Suzanne Chancellor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Suzanne.